Hey, prospectors, the Baseball America top prospects are out. And guess who's not number one? Bobby Witt Jr. And I got a guest today who has some thoughts about it. Stay tuned. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. And we've been talking all about the top prospects in the Baseball America listing. And uh, Bobby Witt Jr. Of the, of the Royals shortstop was not number one. I wanted to bring in a Royals expert. So I have for you, Ryland Stiles, host of Locked On Royals, here to uh, to have the conversation with me of should Bobby Witt Jr. have been the number one overall. Ryland, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Um, I am doing great. And I'm... I don't know if if I'm supposed to be mad or not that Bobby Witt Jr. is not the number one uh, overall prospect. So for those of you folks who don't remember, um, obviously he is the son of Bobby Witt. So he has a, a father who played in Major League Baseball. He was a 2019 first-round pick out of high school, um, 6'1", 185. And some people call him a five-tool player. And yet he's not considered the best player in baseball. Um, Ryland, do you think he should be the number one prospect in baseball? Uh, as a biased party, I do. I, I think that Bobby Witt Jr. is kind of the, with Wander Franco being called up last year and kind of the prospect shifting a bit now. I think that he's the prospect that has the potential to be uh, another face of baseball. So if that's the case, I think he should be number one overall. Uh, I, I love Bobby Witt Jr. even as a non-Royals fan. I loved it in high school. Really interesting to talk to people who have played against him and just how competitive and how good he was even back then, much less how he's progressed so far now. Absolutely raked in minor league ball last year. Uh, I think that this guy has potential to be uh, the best Royal of my lifetime, and obviously uh, we'll see how that goes past that. But uh, he brings a lot of hope and joy to Kansas City. I know that Adelie Rushman does as well to Baltimore. But I, I do think that Bobby Jr. should be there given – uh, his ability to, to hit at his position. And I think that he's a versatile fielder that can really come in handy down the road. Yeah. And when you talk about like he was able to hit, I don't necessarily know if everybody understands exactly what Bobby Witt Jr. did in the minor leagues. So he has, he has about 500 at bats in the minor leagues as of right now, 33 home runs, 29 stolen bases, Slash line of 290, 361, 575. He was the minor league baseball player of the year for 2021. I kind of feel like that should probably handicap you a bit when it comes to picking the number one prospect. But he was top five in all of minor league baseball in hits and runs and home runs and RBIs and was one stolen base away from a 30-30 season, which is not a thing that you see happen a lot in baseball, period. Never mind in the minor leagues. Um by a shortstop. And so I think that just based off of the history of performance, you have a really good case for saying Bobby Witt Jr. should be number one. But from what you were saying, he has a lot of the mental makeup as well that that you would expect from a top player. Yeah, and, and one of those stolen bases, there was some controversy about it where it got taken away because of uh, a rain out cancellation type thing. So let's just go ahead and give him that one stolen base. I mean, why Give not? him the 30-30. Right. Uh, but I think that Bobby Witt Jr., I mean – this is a guy that 
almost broke camp with the Royals last year. I mean, if Montes doesn't get hurt, who knows what happens? But uh, that is for those of you that have not gotten to uh, tune in to buy what junior on the MILB.TV pass or, or see him in high school. Uh, you know, there's your eye test right there is that this organization that can't really afford to afford to be all that bold. I mean, you think about what that would mean if he would have, if he would have broken camp last year with the Royals where you don't manipulate a service time and you get him to free agency a year earlier for a player that projects to be one of the best in baseball. And if he is living up to that hype and living up to that projection, a player you cannot afford to pay in six years, that just shows you how dominant he was uh, in terms of just his physical appearance and, and physical play in spring training. Obviously the Royals uh, kept him on the farm all year long and he just became the minor league player of the year and everything like that. But uh, he, he is somebody that I have no doubts about his work ethic, no doubts about his, his ability to adjust and ability not get to not get overwhelmed by the major league setting. And so that's why you're, you're hearing again that he could break training camp by spring training with the Royals uh, right out of the gate. So we'll see what the Royals end up doing on that front. But I am just uh, full blown excited about Bobby Jr. Obviously. Yeah. And I remember the, the Chris Bryant controversy when they kept him down just enough to not let him get super two eligibility. And a lot of the conversation was he needed some work defensively and it's, they always pick something that's harder to quantify and, you know, feeling for Bobby Witt Jr. He's got over a thousand minor league innings. I think he's committed 13 career errors. He's like a 971 fielding percentage. So, you know, you like literally all five tools are there. I mean, whether it's, it's, it's his arm. If you watch him, he makes every single throw. He does the thing. Very few players do it. And the last player I remember seeing this from is Andrelton Simmons, but he does that thing where he gets the ball, to the first baseman just in time. It doesn't matter how fast you are. The ball will get there just before you do every single time. It feels like he understands the speed of the offensive player that he's playing against, and he knows exactly how much effort he has to put behind the ball so the ball beats you to the bag every single time. And it's it's that's one of those little hidden things that you don't see a lot in – in Major League Baseball, you see guys get the ball there as soon as they can. And the really talented players, the kind of, you know, I'm not going to say generationally talented, but but the the kind of the guys that are on a whole different level when it comes to defense are the ones that that know exactly how much time they have to make that throw and they make it on time every single time. And Bobby Witt Jr. is a great example of that. Question I have for you is, is there a possibility he doesn't stick at shortstop? I know that he 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 projects like he could add a little bit more size. Um, do you think there's a chance he ends up having to move off of short? I don't think that it'll be a case of he has to. I think it more so be a case of he's so versatile that it could help the entire organization out in the in the long run. I think he can physically play shortstop for the length of his career and be a player that can uh, stick there. But when you do have Nicky Lopez and Alberto Mondesi, if he can ever stay healthy. Hunter Dozier in your infield who you kind of like, and and of course Nick Prado hopefully coming up soon as well, another top guy in the system. Uh, you do have to get creative in that infield with Whit Merrifield also in the mix there, but he can play of course in right, and Dozier can as well. I think that it it might end up being best for Matheny to get to be able to move him around the chessboard a little bit, but in terms of can he play short, I have no concerns myself about his ability to be a, a staying power shortstop for as long as he wants to be. If he does want to make a big stink of it, I think they can absolutely do it. If he wants to play within the organizational role of let's move him around for maybe Nick Lofton or maybe Mondesi 
or Lopez or Merrifield or whoever they want to move him around for, he can play third, second, I think. And of course, if he had to, I'm sure he could learn how to play first base too. Yeah. And, and you kind of touched on, that's kind of what I wanted to, to chat with you for a second is you've got all of these pieces in the infield. Uh, you know, like you said, Nicky Lopez kind of takes the job and runs all year when Alberto Montesi gets hurt and Whit Merrifield steal, steals every single bag in existence, but he can play second. He can play right. Hunter Dozier's a, a corner infield, corner outfield kind of guy. So what's the ideal lineup with, um, like, with Bobby Witt in the major leagues? Is it something where do you move him to third and keep Nicky Lopez at short and Alberto Montesi's a utility guy? Uh, do you you know, move someone to second and send Whit Merrifield to the outfield? What's the ideal lineup with the skills that Bobby Witt can bring? Like, How do you force his bat into the lineup? That's the million-dollar question in the sense of if everybody pans out. However, look, I love Nicky Lopez myself. I've been a big fan of his. But last year, he was an embarrassment in spring training. He was awful. The only reason he made the team was because Montesi got hurt in the 11th hour. He was literally not going to break camp with the big league club and then he has a career year so while i hope that was legit while i hope that something in those 12 hours in omaha flipped for him uh he he's not proven it yet to where it would not shock me if he goes back to being an elite fielder and a very bad hitter and, and i'm hoping that he doesn't revert back to that but it could happen uh, the big thing here i think is hunter dozier is the key to all of this because nick prado seems legit that's another prospect i'm very very high on for this royals team and so if Nick Prado is going to occupy first base and you're going to probably call up MJ Melendez at some point in the next three years and move uh, Perez to DH that takes up the DH spot and puts MJ behind the dish. Then what do you do with uh, Lopez Witt, Bobby Witt Jr. And Mondesi. The thing is though, for the Royals, you can't really count on Mondesi to stay healthy and Dayton Moore, who is routinely a guy that is all about player empowerment and all about promoting his players and, Nevers is a controversial thing. Outright said last August, we can no longer count on on Alberto Montesi to be a player moving forward for our ball club. We hope he's here. We hope he's healthy. But they're moving on in the sense of you always have to have a backup plan for Montesi. So you're no longer sharpening him into those lamps because something always happens. And and hopefully that that can stop at some point in his career. But something always happens where he can no longer play and he's not available to the team. So I I think that with Witt, with Bobby Witt Jr., what we have to do to me is – find where he's going to be best at shortstop third base, second base, and leave him alone and let him develop into that generational talent and, and force Mondesi who's always hurt. Nicky Lopez who's not proven to be a top of the line guy, despite his good season last year to work around your prize jewel. That could be a generational talent. And I think the ideal scenario there is you hope that in the new year, Mondesi can really find a way to stay healthy and, you know, talking about new year and, and, and being healthy, with the new year, if, if you're trying to, if one of your New Year's resolutions is getting fit or eating healthy, make Built Bar part of your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It honestly better than a candy bar. Uh, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, 130 calories, 17 grams of protein. So go out, go to built.com, check out all of the flavors. They have nine regular flavors they have all the time coconut almond, peanut butter brownie raspberry cookies and cream salted caramel mint brownie like that list goes on and then they periodically bring in limited time flavors they had a churro flavor recently they had rocky road last fall so go to built.com check out the list of all the flavors while you're there use promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off your order that's promo code locked 15 
at built.com. So you, you, you've touched on some of these guys, but Nick Prado is a guy that I, I kind of want to get back to for a minute because he's one of those prospects that the prospect guys have been watching to see how he would recover because he's one of those guys, he didn't have a great 2019. I mean, it was high A Wilmington was not nice to him, was not kind at all. And then he had that scenario where you then lose a 2020 season. And so the question for a lot of the prospect guys were, how were some of these players who struggled in 2019 and then lost their 2020, how are they going to respond in 2021? And Nick Prado absolutely crushed baseballs in 2021. I think he hit 36 home runs between AA and AAA and had like a 988 OPS. And so he's a guy that it looks like he's been a lot of time during during the missed season just revamping his swing. And you have to be excited about what he's going to look like in the infield for Kansas City. Yeah, I, I think that Nick Prado, it could have gone one of two ways this last season. He could have been a guy that struggled again and got kind of lost in the fold. And then he could have been the guy he was and, and kind of put himself back in that conversation for uh, one of the upper end prospects in baseball and especially within this Royals farm system. So I think that if everything goes according to plan, Nick Prado is going to be your first baseman of the future. MJ is going to be your catcher of the future. And Salvador Perez shifts into DH as he starts hitting the best of his, he has in his career uh, in these recent stretches. And I do want to say about Mondesi, as you mentioned before the break about him being healthy last year was actually a really good indicator for me of his future success because with Mondesi, when he has been healthy, he's been a hot and cold player. But what people might not realize from last year, since it was such a small sample size and I don't blame if you checked out on the Royals last year. Whenever he played, he played at an all-star level, and that included multiple weak stoppages at a time. And that's hard for a player to find that groove again. It's been hard for him to stay in that groove even while playing and with having no stoppages. But being able to start and stop that elite ability, to me, was encouraging for Mondesi moving forward. It's just that when Dayton Moore starts to say things about you in the media, you know it's getting pretty bad. So we all hope that Mondesi can, can be healthy as well. But for Nick Prado... This is somebody that, again, I think had a make-or-break season, for lack of a better word, in the sense of his reputation, and he obviously made it a great one last season. Now, as somebody from the outside who who watches Nick Prado, it feels like he's he's faster than he gets credit for. I feel like he could be a guy that would, like a first baseman who actually would be able to steal not a ton of bags, but could probably get you 10 stolen bases on a season. Am I wrong to think that he's faster than most first basemen or that he's he's quicker than he's getting credit for no i I think that if he you know when he gets called up and and if the royals get creative as they have before with double steals and sending runners and uh, timing out different things i mean they've been one of the best base running teams whenever they are a good program whenever they ever have a good season the only two times that they've done that in my lifetime they've been a really good base running team and so having that extra speed at first base helps a lot i mean you saw eric cosmer win a world series doing that so i think that the Royals, unlike some teams, do prioritize athletic ability at first base. Uh, and I do think that as far as first basemen go, that that is true about his speed. Obviously, you're not saying he's going to be a, a blazing speedster. Right. But relative to the position, I do agree with you there. Yeah. And then, you know, just, just talking about we mentioned his struggles in 2019 and how he kind of rebounded. You can't talk about a rebound season in the minor leagues without talking about MJ Melendez. Uh, he had that same... 29, there was something in the water in Wilmington in 2019. A lot of these guys struggled. And then 
same thing. Uh, and I think this is a testament. Something I've noticed is the the hitting development programs there uh, for for Kansas City are just phenomenal. And like another example is MJ Melendez, forty one home runs, uh, one like one thousand OPS, and I feel like the big change for him was not so much making the quality contact, but really was he was getting better at not striking out at at identifying good pitches versus bad pitches and picking his moments to swing. Am I, am I wrong on that? Or is it what did his pitch selection kind of take a step there? I'll be honest with you. I mean, I've only followed him since he became a in the world organization. So I'm not, I'm not going to say that I knew him about him pre that era of his life, but he looked like a totally different player last year mm-hmm. than his than his first stint with the Royals and his first season as a minor leaguer with the Royals. He, he looked like he changed pretty much everything about himself. I, I really uh, am encouraged by that. Now I do have to be fair to Nicky Lopez here and say, with Prado and with MJ, you got to duplicate that again, and you have to prove that again, all over again. But uh, as of now, very encouraged on all three fronts, but especially on Prado and Andrew Melendez. Yeah, and then getting away from position players for a minute, I. I want to talk about one of the pitchers. Uh, people who listen to the show know I love a good lefty curveball. I'm a lefty. I was a curveballer. And so Frank Mazzucato has a fantastic curveball. And it's 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 not a it's not a 12 to 6, it's a 1 to 7, but it it I think this could be one of the single best. Like yeah, this has the potential to be one of the single best pitches in the Kansas city system. Am I wrong in, in thinking that, that this curveball is different from what you guys have in Kansas city? Is this something that, that, that fans at the major league level are talking about Frank Mazzucato? With the curveball aspect, I think that you're right. Now I highlighted him in our show outline because I need some help here. I need your expertise. <laughs> you're our prospect guy. You yeah. are the guy we turn to when it comes to prospects. And to be honest with you, I didn't love the pick when it happened. I mean, sure, he threw the four straight no hitters, but I I did fall into the old habit and the old adage of, well, he threw it against Connecticut high schoolers. How many good players come from Connecticut? I mean, I could throw a couple no hitters against a Connecticut high school team. Uh, but <laughs> besides the curveball, wh- where do you kind of project Frank to be? Because, again, I didn't love the pick, but after your little monologue there to start this segment, I'm more and more excited about it. So, so kind of finish the job here. Sell me on why okay. I should be excited about this hurler. Okay. So yeah, the curveball is already a fantastic curveball. And the thing there is he can, what, what makes his curveball different is, is one, it's such a dramatic movement, but then two, he has the ability to either finish it in the strike zone for a strike or to drop it off the table. If you're watching, if you're waiting on it and, and a lot of lefties, especially with their curveballs, you don't see the ability for them to, to shape it and for them to, to move it around that much. You can get the curveball to the plate. It's a good pitch, but he has the ability to choose where it goes. And that's kind of unique. And then I think that his, his fastball is 90 to 93, which obviously young guy, you feel good about, you know, 6'3", 175, he's going to put some weight on. But what I like about him is his changeup looks identical to his fastball. And the big thing, obviously, with the changeup, if you think about it, I mean, you're, what's a changeup? It's a slower fastball. And so you have, to, you have to have plenty of deception to it 
but it needs to look the same come out of the hand and you need to to fool a hitter and what i like about his his changeup is he sells it with the arm speed he sells it with the release point with the delivery it looks just like the fastball but it has some late movement and i think if he can go through this this infamous player development system that you guys have put on a little bit of weight and add a couple ticks of velocity to that fastball that if you give me a guy with with a one plus plus pitch, one plus pitch, and even an average third pitch. I mean, that's a number three starter. And obviously, he he's not gone through a full season. So we're working off a small sample size here. But I really think that he's a guy that if you give him some development, he has the potential to be special. And prep pitchers always have a little more risk. So this is not a guarantee. But I, when I watch him, I see a lot of like a Max Freed in his game as far as the way that he throws the curveball whenever he wants to, to get like, and it's just a separator for him. That did it. That did it for me. I, I'm ready to go now. I'm, I'm bought back in. I, I didn't like to pick at first, but just needed my man Lindsay to help me out here and, and let me, uh, let me buy into the, to the pitcher. There you go. And, and, and talking about buying in, like this is the season to, to buy bets betonline.net has way more bets this playoff season i mean we have the big game coming up in two weeks but you've got totals player performance props you can bet on the length of the national anthem the coin flip who what the first score is going to be all the way to the next fired coach or the president of the brazilian presidential election like the winner of that is a prop on betonline.net so not just football basketball hockey boxing ufc politics Bet online is the best odds in the business. It's your it's your number one online wagering destination, and it's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and to play your bet on to play your favorite games. Because bet online is where the game starts. Okay, so I know that you have talked a lot about prospects. Obviously, you know the the Royals didn't have the season you were hoping for last year, and so a lot of people when they talk prospects, they talk some of the you know the top 10 guys and stuff like that. I wanted to to bring you some thoughts on a couple lower level guys that have stood out to me as I've been watching and I've been going through whether it's the Southern League or you know going through different minor league parks and tell you a few guys. Um one of them is second baseman Michael Massey. So Michael Massey is a guy that struggled a lot health-wise and now that he's finally healthy, you saw what he did last year. He played 99 games, uh, batted 289, 351, 531 was a slash line, 21 home runs. And I really think if he does, even if he doesn't take that jump like a lot of your players do when they you know, come back from a, from a bad season, even if he, ju- if he just continues to progress at a normal progression off of where he is now, I think he's going to be in your top 10 prospects next year. And when you look at it, he, he he made some small changes to his lower body to kind of get more of his kinetic chain into his swing. And so his 21 home runs he had last year was more than his entire college career. But I feel like he's a guy that he's granted he's two or three years away, but he's a guy that gives you another option in the infield that is more of the modern second baseman, has plus defense, but can give you some pop, can, you know, can can give you plenty of home runs and can bat middle of your order versus one of your lower the order second baseman kind of guys. Um, is he, is, is he on the radar in Kansas City? Are guys talking about Michael Massey as we may have a, a star here, or is he one of those 
under the radar. You know he does well, but you don't hear a lot about him kind of guys. Yeah, I'd say he's he's vastly under the radar, especially uh, if he is the type of player which, which you're describing, vastly under the radar uh, for the Royals in Kansas City. Talking about – and then I want to give some credit to, to um, Nathan Moore here because Dylan Coleman, pitcher Dylan Coleman – I think he was a good steal. And I'm noticing a trend of a lot of folks stealing guys from the Padres, but he was the player to be named later in the Trevor Rosenthal deal. And I think something he did that was kind of unique and you can see that it helped him. And you can see that your development staff went in after that and worked with him. is he went to indie ball in the lost 2020 year. And he's a guy that I expect him to be in the Kansas city bullpen this year. His fastball can hit triple digits and he's got a slider that he's added some speed to. Uh, he's he's gotten a little more break out of it, and so now it's kind of become a wipeout pitch. And so he's got pretty much every reliever now needs to have an upper nineties fastball. But he combines that with a, a plus slider. I see him as being a, a, a good back of the bullpen, you know, setup man, uh, thir- you know, third guy, or possibly even closer in a pinch, but probably a second man in the bullpen for you. Um, and really just great get as a player to be named later. You really can't ask for more than than somebody to contribute at the MLB level from a player to be named later. And and I totally agree here with Dylan Coleman. I, I think that uh, he'll be in that Royals bullpen. I think that he'll make a huge impact on the Royals this year, uh, which, again, as you said, with a player to be named later, make, saying he's going to make a huge impact is a really big deal. Uh, with the way Matheny uses the bullpen, I'd be stunned if we're not talking Dylan Coleman on Lockdown Royals even the first month of the season. I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably he's probably going to be a player of the week at some point in time before the all-star break. He's going to have a, a week where he he's called three times. He puts out two fires and then he has a perfect eighth inning to get you over into, you know, into a safe situation for a win. Um, just a guy that really, he just, he just really pops off when you, you watch him and he's a guy, I mean, the stats don't look, anything that amazing but when you watch them there's just something different about it I, I can't quite put into words what it is but it 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 has that Tyler Matzik aura of just I throw really hard I'm really good at it I'm not gonna let you get a hit it's just not gonna happen um I'm I don't like doing player comps I'm not saying he's the next Tyler Matzik but just just a, a guy that can come in two men on no outs and get you out of the inning and minimize the damage. And I, I feel like he has the weapons to do that. And the Royals need more guys like that. They need more guys who, who pitch with an edge, who have that confidence in themselves and their stuff that they can get a little nasty. I mean, they usually throw that term around with like football and stuff like in baseball, it's still going to be a little nasty. And I think that Dylan Coleman can do that and, and just have that bravado that you look for to anchor a bullpen. Absolutely. And Rylan, I'm going to give you one more real quick. Um, Catcher Carter Jensen. So lower level guy, but what I like is you don't often see lefty hitting catchers that have power. And it's just, it's, it's unique to me. I haven't seen a ton of him. Obviously he's, he's, it's still early, but I think he has the tools to stick at catcher. And I think he really can develop into a special player. And I'm honestly kind of excited to see what this player development system does because he's, He's far enough away where you have plenty of time to sh- to mold him and shape him into a big leaguer, and he's not going to have a lot of overlap with Salvi and what Salvi does. And like you mentioned in the first segment, he's probably going to shift towards the DH position 
going forward. I think that Carter Jensen, if he is as good as he looks now, is a guy who's going to give you plenty of options behind the dish in a couple of years. That'd be huge. I mean, the, the Royals need a backup catcher as well, obviously with Cam Gallagher holding it down right now, but uh, long-term, you'd much rather supplement that with a guy like Denson or uh, Melendez or something like that, uh, more so than Gallagher, even if Salvi wants to be a catcher for longer than just two or three years. So I, I think that's a, that's a good find. I think he's another guy who's not really talked about much, but you're right, on, the, on a small sample size of Granite, he's looked very good. Yeah, and and just kind of, you know, when I was prepping for this show and 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 kind of going through some of the film that I had and you know and some of the reports and everything, I really like this royal system. I, I mean, it's 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 deep um, everywhere. Maybe I mean, if if you want to quibble, maybe third base is a little shallow, but you've got options. You've got I mean, if if a guy can play short, he can probably play third. You have you have you know whether it's Mondesi moving over. You know, Wit possibly moving over, although you do lose a little bit of that positional value if he does. So, other than that, it's this is a pretty deep system, and I think that you know, they more in the front office has had a good job of of going out and getting and just giving you options and giving the player development staff a lot of a lot of raw materials to see what they can make. And and honestly, I mean. Once this talent started with Bobby Witt Jr., once this talent starts getting to the big league level, I think you're going to see Kansas City uh, quickly turn into a contender in, in the division just based on how much sheer talent is in this minor league system. I think that, th- that this division can really have an overhaul. I mean, I love what the Tigers are doing with A.J. Hinch and that oh. farm system. I love what the Royals are doing, obviously. Uh, the White Sox don't seem to be going anywhere. And then the Twins are just kind of there. I don't know if they're going to be good or bad yet. I mean, who would have thought they'd be so bad last year? So we'll see how the Twins progress. But this division can quickly go from one of the most boring to one of the most fun uh, with just a few prospects from the Royals and Tigers, et cetera, uh, kind of taking that next leap. And I think this the saving grace there for you is that the White Sox farm system isn't that great. And a lot of their talent's at the major league level. And so – it's hard to project the White Sox getting better than they kind of were last year. Whereas, obviously, you and the Tigers, both both of those of those systems, a lot of that talent is still coming. And I honestly, it's going to be a it's going to be a fight between the Royals and the Tigers going forward for the next few years as far as who wins the division. Those have to be the favorites, uh, just simply based off of, I mean, the amount of talent you have, and then just the pitching that that Detroit is is stockpiling. And I'm. As somebody who my rooting interest is not in this division, I'm a Braves fan, but at heart grew up a Braves fan. I'm excited to watch. And one of the guys I'm going to be flipping around to to catch whenever he's at bat is going to be Bobby Witt Jr. Because I think he's a special talent. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does in Kansas City this year. If if listeners of, of Locked and MLB Prospects want to hear more about Kansas City this season, um, um, what the Royals do and all of that, how can they uh, find your pod, follow you, and follow the show? Yeah, you can follow the show anywhere you get podcasts from and soon on YouTube, uh, Locked On Royals. Uh, that way on Twitter as well, at Locked On Royals. I'm at Ryland underscore Styles on Twitter. And Lindsay, thanks for having me. Make sure you go check out uh, Locked On MLB Prospects as well and at Crosby Baseball on Twitter uh, for my man Lindsay Crosby over here, new host of Locked On MLB Prospects. I'm a prospector, by the way. Subscribe on all platforms. Hi. Uh, I love the prospectors. I, it's, you know what? I was going with farmers and, and somebody suggested, no, 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 let's do prospectors. We voted on it. We went with prospectors. So, you know, follow the show on Twitter at, at, uh, at 
Locked On Farm. Follow me on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. And if you want to stay tuned, uh, tomorrow we actually have our National League East Farm recap. We've done, we did the Nationals two weeks ago. We did the Braves this week, but we're talking the entire National League East, ranking the five teams. Um, spoiler alert: Phillies are last. And uh, just kind of talking about where they go from here and what this outlook is going to be like from these farm systems the next few years. But in the meantime, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects.